0: Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes.
1: Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is Liz. I'm filling in for Mandy. And I wanted to pop in just to give you a little update. On Friday, Eric Bland attended a hearing to end the receivership in the beach case. That means the people who were handling Alec Murdoch's finances and accounting for all his assets have finished their work. And it's now time to divvy up the nearly $2 million among Alec's victims. Premium members will get our full discussion about how that hearing went and what the next steps are for the victims. One thing I wanna note for everyone though is this. There is now an October deadline for everyone who thinks they might have had money stolen from them by Alec Murdoch. If you suspect something wasn't right with your settlement or want to make sure that you got every penny that was due to you, now is the time to come forward, even if you don't have an attorney representing you. If you are one of Alec's former clients and you think you might be due money from his estate, Contact John T. Lay at 803 724 1800 or email him at jlay at gwblawfirm.com. John T. is one of the attorneys who is assigned to tally up Alex's assets. That said, we'll give you more information once a firm date has been set for the deadline in October. We have a really great show for you today. We go deep on what went down last week at Corey Fleming's plea hearing, and Eric spills some tea about Judge Richard Gurgle and Dick Harbootlian. Let's get into it. Cups up, guys. Cups up. Cups up. Look at you with iced coffee. Wow. I love an iced coffee. Don't don't be a hater, Eric. Okay.
2: I'm not, I'm just making an observation. <laughs>
1: Well, guys, we had an eventful week last week after Eric, you wished us all well for the week and had a bright and cheery attitude on Monday morning. And it just all went to heck uh, real fast. Uh, We'll get to that, though. You had a hearing today for the receivership and basically looking at the total amount of what is left of Alex Money, which is 1.885 million and how that is going to end up getting split and you were telling us earlier that there's an October deadline for victims to come forward. Can you just tell us a little bit about what kinds of victims might apply here?
2: It's going to be all kinds of victims. It's going to be those victims that have already brought claims and maybe have had recoveries, some that may have come from PMPD, some that have come from other sources, some that have gotten no recovery, that have made a claim and there still hasn't been a payment, and then those that could not retain an attorney because maybe their claim was time barred in the attorney's eyes, meaning that the statute of limitations for bringing any claim had already ran, or the amount of money at issue was not so significant. And and every dollar is significant, don't get me wrong, but when you look at a lawsuit and you're going to take it on a contingency as a lawyer in advance costs for expert witnesses and everything, there has to be a balance of, is there enough money to potentially recover? And so everybody who is a victim and considers themselves a victim of Alex, of the law firm or anybody associated with Alex on a particular case, whether they've had money lost or that they... Can't get an explanation, they can't get their file. A claim that they had is is time barred, or they were told a claim was brought and a lawsuit was filed and it wasn't. We want everybody who is a victim to come forward. Do not be afraid not to file simply because you don't have a lawyer. We want everybody to file. And the court appointed a special referee named Mr. Tullison, I don't know his first name, who's going to entertain all these claims. And It'll be done before the end of the year. There was uh, attorneys there. Mark Tinsley was on behalf of the Beach family with Tabor, his associate. There was Glenn Walters, who represents a pending case involving Alex and a Mexican national. The bank did not have any representation there at PSB, nor was PMPD represented at the hearing. But they are probably going to be the 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 largest victims in terms of monetary amounts that they're going to come forward with. And it's troubling to us because they're also designated victims in the cases that have been pled guilty so far in federal court. So they're going to have a number of avenues to collect money from. There's restitution orders in the federal court cases where they pled guilty. There's going to be a plea for Corey Fleming on September 14th that we're going to talk about. That will have a restitution order attached to it. And They're going to have a number of different avenues to get money, meaning PSB, Palmetto State Bank, and PMPED will either get it from the court by making the defendants, Corey Fleming and Russell Lafitte, pay. And then obviously, Alex Murdaugh is going to be pleading guilty on the 21st of September. But they'll also be able to come in the court. And after having victimized these victims, they're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with the victims and make application for their money there, too it's just bizarre it's
1: sickening it's really truly sickening and it, just when you think like we've made all this progress in showing that we're going to shine a light on your bad acts and your bad behavior
2: meaning your bad behavior not eric's bad behavior your bad behavior in the proverbial sense right
1: yes eric pmpd's bad behavior and psb's bad behavior <laughs> not you but yeah it's you know mm-hmm. we we We've seen it all, we think. And then now we're going to see them standing in line, just like the cowards on the Titanic who jumped on with the women and children. It's just really, truly like that. So basically what you're saying is that we're going to see a lot of victims possibly who we've never heard of before. Correct. Okay.
2: And what's going to happen is John Lay has to publish this in the newspapers of Hampton and Beaufort County to say that there is this new procedure. And if you're a victim, it's going to be the same thing, you know, when you get that class action notice in your mail about your credit card and you have three, three cents.
3: (laughs) The word that we keep saying over and over again, the audacity of of these guys that they're able, and they don't even show up to the hearing to be like, we're victims, but they know that they're going to get it. And they, They sure as heck don't do anything to be like, hey, the victims need the money first. Hey, maybe we made millions and millions and millions of dollars off of this whole lawsuit thing. And maybe we're doing okay. So let's let these people who, you know, have not who, who could use this money for for good. No, it's none of that. And it's insane. They should be
1: lucky. They should be counting their lucky stars right now, honestly. But you know what? Why don't we do this? Why don't we suggest to the referee, the special referee, that any victim compensation that PMPD or Palmetto State Bank want, corresponding to that, we should be able to look through that client's file to see what expenses were charged so if they want the money back let's see let's see the whole you need to present the entire file be
2: an open book yeah
1: you have to be an open book let's let's see what you uh charged that client for when when this all was going down let's see let's see what your your client files look like that's basically what i want to say because i would love to see that
3: Right. And for the restitution money and like Russell's case, for instance, aren't they charging for the investigation that they conducted after they found everything out? I would like to see those books, too. You would like to see what all went into that super expensive investigation and what happened there and what all they found out back then and did and did or didn't tell anyone like this stuff all needs to be public. And I don't like the hush, hush nature of all of it. And I don't like the way that it's going down. It doesn't sit well with me. And as somebody who is constantly like, oh, things are getting better. Things are getting worse. This is a it's not. It's not good.
1: Yeah. And just so you know, Mandy, they, they were required to do that investigation like that. That's not like something that they did above and beyond. So they would have had to do that re- regardless of whether they were being right, <laughs> being paid back or, for it. So, yeah,
3: right. and they charged the and they charged for it. And again, it was their bad, like now that I own a business and now I know how, I I know a little bit more about how things work. I would never in a million years think of if something was my fault and if I dropped the ball on one of my employees and let another employee victimize other people and I should have saw that, I cannot imagine a world where I would say I need to be compensated for that. I would just say, that's my bad.
2: Look, I'm not saying they're padding their bills. I am not insinuating that, nor am I alleging that. But somebody better look at $875,000 worth of expenses or whatever PMPD says these investigative expenses were. And look at them at a fine-tooth comb. Determine whether they're reasonable. You know, everybody comes in and says, well, that's an unreasonable fee. You're asking for too much money. Somebody needs to body check that invoice and really peel it apart open the books and say can you really bill for that is that good time are they just because there's a pot of money there are they going to go make that money grab i'm not saying they're doing that let's just all have it out in the open if everybody's going to be shoulder to shoulder then it's going to be open with full sunlight yeah and we'll be right back
1: With Juvederm Velux XC, you can get a non-surgical jawline treatment that adds volume for smooth contour and to reduce the appearance of jowls in one in-office treatment with little downtime. Juvederm Velux XC injectable gel is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you visit Juvederm.com that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com okay so Eric you were in the courtroom when Corey Fleming pleaded guilty to his 23 state charges what was it like when he walked in the room wearing those stripes
2: it reminded me of Oh Brother Where Art Thou? John Totoro and and George Clooney as well. You know they had the black and white chain gang coveralls in the movie The Coen Brothers. Well, he had the same thing on, and uh, it really was really was shocking to see him come in wearing that. And even a lot of the lawyers commented they wonder why he wasn't in a suit. And it proceeded to the a plea of guilt. There wasn't a sentence that day. It was going to be postponed till September 14th because Judge Newman wants it to take place in Beaufort County where he did these acts. He thinks it's important that the citizens have a chance to understand what happened. And it was an unusual thing because in my 35 years, I've never seen a defendant plead guilty straight up to every single charge not negotiate some of those charges off the table and not have some kind of recommendation agreement by both the defense attorney and the prosecution to the judge as to what the sentence would be. Sometimes it's we've agreed it's going to be five years and the judge says yes or no, or they give a window and say we've agreed it should be between six and 10 years. In this particular case, Creighton Waters wanted 14 years to agree to a plea of guilt, and Debbie Barbier and Corey Fleming were not willing to do that. And as a result, they pled straight up to every single charge, and they're going to leave it up to the discretion of Judge Clifton Newman as to what the sentence would be. And I'm telling you, that is a very risky thing to do. And it became apparent to everybody in the courtroom because Creighton Waters did a methodical presentation from beginning to end, from 2010, beginning in the Pickneys, all the way through the Satterfields, all the way through the fall of 2021 and went through not only what was in the firm's escrow account that Corey misappropriated, but linked it up with his own personal bank accounts on when his own personal bank accounts had a balance of near zero and showed that he was taking money at those particular times. And it was a full-throated presentation as if you would have a trial on it. And he introduced each exhibit along the way to back up everything he said. And you know, if you looked at Debbie Barbier, it wasn't the same Debbie that you saw in front of Judge Gergel, who was confident and projected an air of certainty of what she was doing. As this was being read, I saw her lower her face. Now, obviously I can't read her mind and I haven't spoken to her, but it sure looked like she was thinking, did I do the right thing here? Because Judge Newman was not happy. He had not heard all of these things. Remember, he heard about Alex's misdeeds in the murder trial, but he had not heard about what Corey did. And what Corey did was really, really bad. That's what I was trying to say in front of Judge Gurgle, and he wouldn't let me do it. Well, Judge Newman let Creighton do it. And Creighton and I worked on what the presentation was going to be. And he left 20% for me to talk about on September 14th. But after it was done, Judge Newman turned to Corey Fleming and he said, Mr. Fleming, he didn't even turn to Debbie. He said, do you agree with those facts? And Corey took a deep breath and said, what I agree to is that there are enough facts presented by Mr. Creighton, Wooders, that I'm going to be convicted if I go forward on the crimes charged but there are other facts that I disagree with. And Judge Newman almost took, he took back and said, well, tell me those facts that you disagree with. And Corey said, I would prefer to wait until the sentence on September 14th to tell you that. And Judge Newman said, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. Are you pleading guilty under your own free will because there are facts presented that will convict you? And Debbie stood up and said, yes. And Judge Newman accepted the plea. And at that point in time, Corey got up. He was escorted away. He turned back and said, I love you to the family. I saw his wife go over and talk to Creighton, and she was very nervous. There was a full courtroom on his side. All the people that we saw in Judge Gorgle's courtroom, almost all to the person was there, ready to testify on his behalf. The same people, the person from the YMCA who he runs with and the other people, We're all there. Everybody had that nervous look on their face. And I'm telling you, Liz and Mandy, it is very risky to leave this up to Judge Newman because you're talking about 23 felony counts. You're talking about hoping that Judge Newman is going to listen to what Judge Gergel said and say, Judge Gergel, you sentenced him to 46 months. I'm going to run everything concurrent or I'm going to suspend the sentence. I don't think Judge Newman can do that. I don't think he can just wipe off 270 some years off the table. And it is highly likely that he's going to get a significant eight to 10 year time. And so what could end up happening if he doesn't let all that time go concurrent, Corey's going to get out of federal prison in in whatever time it is, whether it's 36 months, if he does the RDAP and whatever time he gets off. And then he's gone straight to state court prison for a long time.
1: So there's a lot of questions here. First, I want to point out that Mandy is wearing a BCE shirt today. She's repping because Creighton did so well. Um, So why don't we start, Mandy, will will you tell everyone just give us some thoughts on how Creighton did and and all that. And then we'll get into some of the questions I have for you both. Sure.
3: Um, But my first comment, and I was thinking about this, was how quiet Newman was, Judge Newman was, throughout the proceedings. And it reminded me of when the hearings first began in the Murdoch saga a couple years ago. He was very quiet He just kind of sat back and took it all in. And silence should scare the crap out of these men. I could tell that he was bothered, extremely bothered. And I just cannot wait to hear what he thinks about all of this. I think the silence said a lot. And I think his lack of, he didn't intervene. He just let Creighton go and let Creighton- Listened. Yeah, he listened. I think Judge Newman being quiet and listening- to Creighton go blow by blow with everything that Corey did was so horrible, that should make Corey's team extremely nervous. So that's A. B, Creighton was brilliant. I don't, I don't want to like fangirl (laughs) too much because like, you know, we've been hard on Creighton before, but that was a five-star performance. That was like trying, I don't even know what to come. It was like, it wasn't even his Super Bowl.
2: Overwhelming force.
3: Right, but it wasn't even his. what was so exciting. Like the Murdoch trial was his Super Bowl, right? That was the biggest stage that he's probably ever going to be on as a, as a prosecutor. And there was news crews from all over the world in that courtroom. And he knew that it is one thing for a lawyer to perform great, like Creighton did. And especially for that length of time, that was super impressive. And that was amazing. But for months later, for Creighton to stand up and say, I still care about finding out exactly what happened. And this guy over here hasn't helped us with squat. And let me tell you, Newman, exactly what he did and why what he did was so horrible. That just filled me with so much hope and energy, big, great energy, just like, go get him, man.
2: It was so much different than Gurgle's hearing, wasn't it? Didn't you feel different? Didn't you feel like this this quiet death grip that was on the courtroom?
3: Yeah, it was just... I, I've noticed in the, the last day since we put this week's episode of True Sunlight together, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, that episode was so good. It filled me with so much hope. And episodes that fill people with hope and make them feel better about the justice system, I feel like we get better just more feedback just more like yeah yeah rah rah and like last week it was a great episode but it filled a lot of people me included with just despair like I was just disgusted at the end of last week and I was like we're never we're probably never gonna find out what happened because the people who could find out what happened aren't going to do it and they're not gonna allow
1: anybody to do it at this point that's how I felt last week so what did you think Liz? Well, one thing, it it made me even more disappointed in the federal government because we've said this before, but they're supposed to be like the more elite, more serious investigators and prosecutors. And it just felt like every time Creighton could have decided to not be as detailed he took the other route. He, he decided to add the detail. So that's important because these are decisions that get made. And I think in order to maintain the peace in our professions, and I don't actually mean our, yours and mine, Mandy. I mean, Eric, in order to maintain the peace in the legal world, I think that lawyers sort of have to be okay with things all the time that they're not okay with, actually. And I think one of the things is Emily Limehouse because while I applaud certain aspects of the job that she did, of course, those were decisions that she made not to be as detailed, perhaps, uh, to even though she mentioned that he didn't provide substantial assistance, you're still sort of giving the court this idea that he has been this model defendant, which excuses the part where they don't have all these details and, they, and then the court doesn't find all all of this out. Creighton, I think why he impressed us so much is because he could have done the same thing and he just didn't. And that is where the hope lies. One of the things I had a question about, though, you mentioned, Eric, that lawyers were wondering why Corey wasn't in a suit. Do you think it was part of the shtick to have him come in in stripes because immediately he cuts a sympathetic character, right? Immediately to a judge because in front of the judge, he's saying, I'm already in prison. Look at me. I've already been punished for this crime. I'm sitting here in the stripiest stripes you've ever seen. I'm wearing shower shoes. I used to look good. I look like crap right now. Do you think that that is part of the, I guess, <laughs> if you're going to have a theater, of uh, you know, theater, well, it's theater, right? It's
2: You raise a good point, but it also backfired because when he was wearing those that garb, the prison garb, and then Creighton went into that in-depth detail that you just discussed, it made Judge Newman look at him. There were a number of times that Judge Newman was looking at him and reading him and saying like, oh, really? You did that and that? Looking at him like a criminal, not as a guy in a suit but as a criminal, and I will, I wanna add something just to close the loop, and that is, the reason Creighton did this is because I had some discussions with him, and I'm not gonna go into the exact words that we exchanged, but in general, what he said is, he was very mad at the federal government. He said, "We were the ones that discovered this. We did the investigation. We're the ones that spent the hours and hours to make these claims. And then the federal government swoops in and lets him plead to one charge and acts like that they're the ones that got him, you know, to face lady justice." He said, "We are the ones that deserve this and he is not playing ball." with the federal government. And usually, like you said, lawyers have to go along and say, we agree with it, when in reality they don't. He is publicly vocalizing his disagreement with the federal government.
1: It's not just the disagreement too, like that's that's a, who takes credit, who gets credit for the work, right? I think underlying what he's saying is, everything that we think about the federal deal is true. We think that it was a it was a complete and total workaround, a way to get the state to drop its charges, to go away nicely. And one of the things that I had um, heard is that basically that 46-month sentence that he got could be reduced to as little as 18 months, perhaps even less. When you start talking about sort of the programs that he can take advantage of and ultimately how much time he might get back to him over the years. So it could end up being as little as 18. And if the state ended up giving a suspended sentence, then he's basically on parole. But at the same time, he could just choose to sit like any disparity between the federal and state sentence. He could choose to spend in federal prison. Is that right, Eric? That
2: I'm not aware of. I think when your federal prison sentence ends, you can't serve state time in a federal prison. Concurrently, you can
1: well, it's not that. It's that you have extra. So you go from 18. So you reduce your time to 18 months. That means that you didn't serve you know, the balance of that. So you can actually spend the entire balance of your sentence in federal Prison that can count toward the concurrent sentence that you get with state is what I understand. But I might have that wrong. And anyone who's listening who knows more about that can let us know. But I guess going back to it is the idea that, you know, Creighton is saying, look, the federal government swooped in. It's not just about who takes credit for this investigation. We know it was the state. It's what were they doing by swooping in? Why did they swoop in? What was the purpose of that? So I think it's exactly the way it looks. And I don't think that we should pretend it as an end. And why only
2: let him plead guilty to one count. When you hear the totality of the presentation of Creighton, there's no way that you could say, "Well, just let him go on one count. Could you, mandy? would you would you countenance that if you were a prosecutor or a judge? Would you after what you heard?
3: No. And now I'm thinking, first of all, how much money and federal resources did we spend on this easy route for these guys <laughs> because that's what it that's what it looks like and again like creighton has said they did all the state already did a majority to all of the work there how much money and time and god that makes me so mad but b like i'm it it all just is so frustrating because I hate finding out that it's exactly what we feared. I hate finding out that, oh yeah, it's exactly what we thought it was. And this is why so many people are mad at the system. And this is why so many people don't trust the system. And Liz, as you were saying that, I was thinking, so last week when we were all surprised at how much time Corey got in federal court compared to Russell's, like, was that actually doing... Corey a favor by giving him more time in federal court because he doesn't want to spend that in prison? Yeah, that's a fair
1: question because I don't know. I, and I know that there's some like hoodoo math that's involved with how how does the sentence end up looking at the end of the day? So once you take the state into consideration, but going back to what Eric had said about Debbie Barbier's face looking different, I mean, there, there was a different vibe for sure at that at that defense table than what we saw at the federal Courthouse in charleston and it could be partly that they like obviously you want to avoid remember with um paul murdoch when we were at his initial hearing in 2019 he waived the right he I, I guess he waived i forget what it's called but like the prosecution can do exactly what um tell the judge here's what he did and here's why we think
2: He waived the preliminary hearing the
1: preliminary hearing yeah so here's what he did here's why we think that this bond would be appropriate And they didn't read the facts of the case. Remember that, Mandy? Yeah. And so we were like... So he basically just gets like, we just tiptoe around the fact of what, what happened here. Mallory's name doesn't get said. Paul doesn't have to sit there and listen to his dirty deeds. And it's all just, you know, to make it nicer, right. To make it the, like we said, the gentleman's treatment, Easy. right. To make it yeah. nicer. So it wasn't, things weren't nice for Corey on on Wednesday at all. But one of the things that perked our ears up and, and I, it's not that I missed it. I just didn't really, I was like, what what were they talking about? But Crane talked about an unindicted conduct, which was related to a suit, a lawsuit that Mandy and I covered in the second episode of True Sunlight Podcast, which was when Corey's son broke his arm falling off the SUV, allegedly. Mandy and I struggled with that one because we've had that story now for, what was that? We were looking through our texts. It's like September, 2021, at least. We knew that something was fishy with that. and But it was iffy because how do we know? Exactly, like until you know what they were actually up to and what their schemes look like, you don't know that this thing that looks weird is actually as weird as it seems. Yeah. So it was really vindicating and validating to hear Creighton Waters talk about that case in the context of we know Corey's done this before, and here's how he did it.
2: Called it the Satterfield 1.0, almost as opposed to the the Satterfield being 1.0. It was, he did this the similar way where they hand in gloved, you know, the claims, Alex suing Corey and not really suing Corey, but making a claim and getting coverage from his own policy. It's. And so, if they've done it twice now, did they, have they done it four times that we don't know about? It? Have they done it five times?
1: I don't know, but it's kind of like when you're when you're a kid and like you had to sell chocolate bars for your school, and your parents just buy the chocolate bars like for you, and you don't have to do any work. It's like they figured out a way to buy their own chocolate bars so that their insurance companies, like they're very much like just raiding their own closets for this money.
3: I mean, it was. I was the same way as Liz, like there was so much going on during the hearing and It was just a lot more intense than I expected it to be. So when Creighton said that, I was like, huh? Like I wrote down the figures and stuff. Maybe that is that lawsuit. And a couple of our members who were chatting were saying that it was that lawsuit. And I was like, oh, look it up later. We'll see. And I went back and I rewatched the whole hearing for the second time. But I was just blown away by um, the body language in the shift from the defense table, when Creighton said that, Corey and the two male attorneys all simultaneously whipped their heads and looked straight at Debbie. Like, "What? I thought this wasn't going to happen. Why are you letting this happen? What is going on here right now? What are we going to do? This is, uh, and then they started like scrambling with papers and then they all started communicating a lot more. And during the break after that, they... It was very clear that they were like, whoa, Creighton dropped that bomb. But they didn't object. Yeah. They were like, what is he going to do next? They didn't object. They That's didn't. That's like crazy, and right? Maybe. Is that is that why they looked at Debbie to, like that? To maybe to
1: ob- like object. Yeah. So why wouldn't they have objected to that? Because like he said to Newman, he said, you know, some of the facts are immaterial to my guilt. So I'd imagine that this would be one of the facts that he was thinking about that would be immaterial to his guilt. But how do you take it out
2: of your mind? You love, you know, I'm always in a trial and a judge says to the jury after they heard that the defendant is X, Y, and Z, and then they the judge says, no, you're going to take that out of your mind. We're going to take that off the record. It's stripped from the record. I don't want you to think about it. How do you not think about it? How does he not think about when he looks at Corey on September 14th, this wasn't your your first rodeo with the Satterfields, you did this in 2012. You're just not being charged with it.
3: Right. And, and... I mean, I think what Creighton was doing there was saying, we got a lot more on where this comes from. And I will put you through all of it. And I will keep going. I don't even care. And I think that that's what was freaking them out. And it was Corey's family that that lawsuit involved. That was, that's why Liz and I were talking. We were like, I think that that's their ace in the hole because Corey seems extremely close with the son. He seems to really... Legitimately care about his family, unlike Alex, who just propped his family up for his own needs and whatever. Corey seems to legitimately care what his family thinks of him. And I think Creighton's saying that this man did this with his own family, Your Honor. Like he brought his own family into this mess.
2: I'm telling you guys, it wasn't just the family, it was everybody in the courtroom. Remember, all they've gotten from Corey and Debbie is that it, it's the heavy arm of government coming down on Corey. Alex took advantage of him. Corey's kind of caught in the middle of the vice grip. He can't get out of it. Yes, he's going to have to plead guilty, but we feel so sorry for him. And they didn't know the facts, really. Nobody in that courtroom on his side got a full vetting of the facts. And when Creighton went through it, I looked. I kept looking over and people started bowing their heads because it started resonating with them. Oh my God, he did this, he did that, he didn't do this with Tony. He never he met with Tony one time. He got a check-in and never told Tony, he settled the case. And it was one after another. And it was like a punch here and a punch there. And they were finally getting punched. And they just put their head down. It would be like if you you guys think you know me, but you don't know what I've done before. I became a lawyer. I mean, I wasn't the greatest of guys. And if you heard some of my behavior that I've done when I was 16, 17, and 18 years old, he, he'd start to look at me with a jaundice eye. And that's what they were doing to him. And I'm telling you, it was the emperor without any clothes.
1: Do you think that he's going to do That's going to affect his sentencing hearing because- as we said in our episode, Buford County attorneys were sort of rallying to get to Williamsburg County and and really pack the courtroom with people. It didn't, from our perspective at home, Eric, it did not look like there was a lot of people there because the only people sitting behind Corey were his family. And then we saw Susie Lafitte with a few people, but we didn't get to see to the right of the courtroom really where you were sitting and, and all of that. But The idea that all these lawyers were coming to Corey's defense to try to get him a lighter sentence means they're like willingly associating their name with him. Do you think that this could affect uh, what happens on September 14th? Because now they've they've heard it wouldn't
2: surprise me. Yeah. If I got up and I was going to have to speak on his behalf, I would. Try to draw a a line and say, I am not going to discuss anything having to do with the Satterfield case. I don't know the facts. I'm just going to discuss my limited role here. This is what I know of Corey when he dealt with me. I would be very narrow in what I say. I do agree with you. I think there's some people that may not speak now or are going to speak differently because I'm telling you, it was impressive what Creighton did. Mandy, you hit the nail on the head.
3: And one more thing that Creighton did, not to keep fangirling, but uh, again, when I watched it again, I was really impressed by this. Just little details in the way that he memorized. I mean, I can't memorize. I have trouble speaking as is. The way that he was able to say everything and he knew every single detail and he barely looked at his notes. Phenomenal. But one thing that I noticed is like tiny detail, but he called Mrs. Pinkney Mrs. P and People listening and people following this will know exactly who that is and will know exactly like Justin always calls her Mrs. P. People close to her always call her Mrs. P. And it just showed that Creighton cared and he humanized the victims in a way that definitely never happened in federal court. And I was just very impressed by that.
0: And we'll be right back. allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure but also to personalize and decorate your very own orchid island where the story takes place how sharp are your detective skills find out when you download june's journey on your android or ios device or play online via facebook games your detective journey awaits as y'all
3: know we're out on the west coast connecting with fans meeting with partners and having a little fun too. All the planes, trains, and automobiles can be stressful, but do you know what's going to keep me comfy and confident along the way? You guessed it, Viore. And Viore makes a fantastic gift for the people in your life who deserve the most comfortable and versatile clothing. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com/coj. That's v u o r i.com/coj. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viori.com/coj and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. But should we move on
1: to uh, old Russell and Mark Moore? So Russell Lafique, guys, he was there too. Eric, what did you notice about Russell? He
2: showed up with a new do. He must have gone to a barber because he got himself closely cropped in the hair, which I guess he's getting ready to report. We found out that his report date was September 14th, but Judge Gergel gave him an extension to September 21st so that Mark Moore could go to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals to try to get the Court of Appeals to say that he can post an appeal bond and not report to Jessup prison. Uh, Mark Moore is a different attorney in state court than federal court. He's more comfortable, I think, in federal court than in state court. It's just not his normal stomping grounds. And uh, they were Hemming and Hall about a trial date. Todd Rutherford made an appearance, and this is where Todd is so important to the defense team, because as we know, he's a legislature. And as being a legislature, he's essentially blocked off from trying a case or court appearances from January 1st all the way through until the gavel is dropped at the end of the session, usually in June or early in July. And so that Creighton is frustrated because he's running into the same roadblock now that he's running in with Alex and Dick Harpootlian, and that is these cases cannot go forward, it looks like, until the summer or fall of 2024.
3: It's funny that you mentioned that about Todd Rutherford because Todd really... To most people watching this, and most people tuned in to everything Murdoch, aren't from South Carolina, did not know Todd Rutherford. I know he probably thinks he's a huge deal. Nobody really knows who he is. (laughs) The state just... But what they know him for is two things, uh, that he's a lawyer legislator and people listening to our podcast know all the problems that that has caused our state. And number two, he is known for Gerard Price and the sketchy deal that he got for his murderer client who was loose for a long time and uh, caused the government lots and lots of money to find them and a huge manhunt. And nobody has been held accountable for that, by the way. But those are two things that Todd Rutherford is known for. So it's funny that all of a sudden, late in the game, they bring that guy in. (laughs) And it's very obvious for the reason why that guy is there. And it's absurd that they're allowed to do that. And how many times have they seen, have we seen this in cases before? They know that lawyer legislators can delay cases. And what does Russell's team want? Delay, delay, delay. And it's just wrong. It's just plain wrong. And again, the audacity of it all, like, Todd had no shame walking into that courtroom. He was wearing like several pocket. What, did you see his little
1: anchor chip Of course thing? I saw it. He looked like he was dressed for a- It
2: looked like a flower. Yeah. I thought it was the old clown flower that you, you know, the clowns used to have where they squirt you with the flower. It looked like almost a flower out of his pocket.
1: I thought it looked like one of those magician, like pull out, you know, that never ending scarf. <laughs> yeah, it was huge.
2: Well, I'll tell you, it was very strange. It was very strange to see Todd and Mark Moore as co counsel together. It's not a it's not a match that you would see. It just doesn't. Not to say that Todd isn't a, great, a good attorney for what he does, but it just Mark Moore has a certain arrogance about him. He was a former U.S. attorney. He works for Prue Pruitt, a big law firm, and Todd's a street lawyer. You know, he's he's built his reputation as being a street lawyer. He started off with blue collar crime and to see them two together is just not a mix that you would ever see. You would never see him eating dinner together. You wouldn't see him in a ball game together, but here they are at a defense table together.
3: And the only time that Todd ever said anything was about scheduling, like, which I thought was just so incredibly obvious. And I wish a judge would be like, is that the only reason why you're here, sir? And then on top of that, Mark Mark, The audacity comes in and is like, I still am not familiar with this case because I've been bogged down by this pesky federal case and it's just been taking up all my time and I just, we just all need more time, which is ridiculous.
1: What do you think it was like for Russell to be sitting in that courtroom, seeing Corey come out in the stripes? And I assume, was Russell sitting there during that?
2: Yeah, he, he went to the back. Yes, he was actually sitting behind Corey in front of the uh, railing, and then they move back. And um, I got to tell you, Russell doesn't see himself as a criminal. Again, I, I told you that he he thinks that there's some exit strategy and an off-ramp for him here. He didn't sit there looking like, oh my God, this is me in a couple weeks. He actually thinks that there's a, a way that he's going to get out of this. He doesn't see himself as being guilty. I'm just telling you, he's either dopey or he's arrogant. It's one or the other.
1: It reminds me of Creighton's really good line that he had in when he was presenting the facts against Corey, and he said, "Either you're the dumbest man alive, <laughs> or <laughs> you did this." So, yeah, I thought that was great. And then another thing, you know, Russell and Corey will be spending time together at Jessup. It looks like so they might end up creating quite the little alliance in uh, prison. It'd be yeah.
2: I mean, do they do they decide that they're going to together? come clean about everything? Or do they stay away from each other because Corey's going to rat out Russell? I don't know. You know, Corey's cooperating. Russell's not cooperating. What's what's going to happen? Corey's cooperation isn't finished, I'm sure.
3: The Corey, with Corey's case in the, at the state level, if he did decide to cooperate with Creighton like on Monday, if he goes into, if he, he can't go into Creighton's office, he's in prison. But if he calls, <laughs> anyways, if he decides to cooperate would that and tell everything and spill all the secrets, would that definitely help his sentencing?
2: It could. It could. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys the question, because I don't understand it. It's never too late to cooperate. Let's put it that way. And, and the value of that cooperation what you disclose could really benefit you. Even post uh, sentencing, it could benefit Corey in a way. But my question to you is, how is there such dichotomy where Emily says that Corey was a model cooperant? He cooperated. He was truthful, 100% truthful. And Creighton stood up and said, I want the court to know that he was not cooperative with us. And when he spoke, he didn't speak truthfully. So why would Corey decide on the state level where there's all those charges where it would behoove him to be cooperative and be truthful and open? Why was he uh, circumspect and why was he deceptive, according to Creighton, but yet on the federal level, present himself totally different? Why would he do that? What's the dichotomy?
1: I think you would have to believe that he did present himself openly to the federal government. And I question whether that's actually the truth so i'm not calling emily a liar or anything like that i'm just saying that i think that there's some sympathy there given pmpd's connections to the federal government or to the u.s attorney's office in charleston in particular so right off the bat it's suspect to me and who knows what cory knows i mean that that's the other thing in, in what realm does he know you know what information does he know in what realm so does he know about these schemes or does he know anything about where the money was going that kind of thing. But one thing I want to touch on before we move on is Alec is expected to plead guilty in federal court to his 22 charges. And two of those charges are for conspiracy. One, I would assume with Corey, the other with Russell. And I remember during Russell's trial, one of his defenses was that he couldn't have committed a conspiracy because there's no one to have committed that conspiracy with per the federal government, because Alec had not been indicted at that point. But now does this affect, because that's the same day, I believe, that that Russell's supposed to report to prison is the same day that Alec is going to be standing in front of Judge Gergel and pleading guilty. Does that change things at, at all for Russell? Like, doesn't that kind of slam shut any future argument he might have in his appeal? Or is that basically not going to matter?
2: I don't think it's going to matter. You can be convicted of a conspiracy with somebody who's an unindicted co-conspirator. It's just going to firm it up and eliminate any kind of arguments that he can make on appeal that he would have made to say, look, it wasn't really, there wasn't enough evidence. They couldn't come in with another person and, and, and indict that person. There wasn't enough evidence to indict that person. But you can be convicted of a conspiracy with an agreement, an illicit agreement that you enter into with somebody else who is unindicted. I think for Russell's purposes, the game is up. I don't see the Fourth Circuit granting him this right to stay out on appeal. I think he's going to have to start his sentence. The, the The problem is that the guy that's suffering the most is Corey Fleming because he didn't hire a lawyer legislator. He could have hired Justin Bamber. He could have hired you know any number of people.
1: Could have hired Justin Bamberg.
2: (laughs) I'm saying, I said that facetiously. He should have, you know, Merle, you know, he could have hired Merle. Somebody to sit at the table, to slow the train down, because obviously Alex was slowing the train down, Russell slowed the train down, but Alex seemed to pivot this week because that Thursday night, when that came out through the article by Drew Tripp, That's how I saw it. You guys probably have heard it from your sources, but I read it from Drew Tripp that Alex is now going to plead guilty. I don't understand why he whipsawed so quickly. You
1: don't? Don't you think that-
2: Well, I do Yeah, don't you think
1: it has something to do with the appeal? And like, if he gets off on the murder, then he just gets so-
2: Oh, yeah, I know. But I don't think they're going to hear that. I don't think they're going to hear that. I think what Dick and Jim have decided is, let Judge Gergel load him up with 60 years of federal time, start to serve it now. And then if that will start to serve it when the state court trial gets reversed, he'll go right to federal court and then he's only going to be serving federal time. They can retry him on the state time, but Judge Gergel just gave him 60 years or 50 years and he's going to serve all his time in a federal prison.
1: So can he go to federal court now or federal prison now?
2: No. No.
3: But hold on. Everyone keeps saying that he's going to do this as a fact and everything that this man and his team of monsters have done so far is completely unpredictable and they are tricksters that's one thing that they've been consistent about like everything that they do has like seven different things that go along with it and They constantly change up and they constantly change their minds. And Jim Griffin has been saying that Alex, he said that Alex was going to plead guilty like in May and we're now almost to September, and they just now have, like, officially put it on the record. But I talked to a criminal defense attorney today, and he told me that they can change up until the very last minute if they want to. It will piss off the judge, but they can still do it. And Alex has nothing to lose right now. And I just, I will not believe that he pleads guilty until he absolutely does it. Or, like, with the Satterfield case, he uh, did the confession of judgment, and then they tried to take it back. Like, nothing is ever solid with these guys.
2: Dick Carpulian won't do that. Won't do that to Judge Gurgle. They're best friends, and uh, Dick got Judge on the federal bench. There's no way.
1: They're best friends? Oh, yeah,
2: they're very close. Extremely close. Extremely close.
1: Why are you just telling us this now? Holy cow. And this is a problem. That's a problem.
3: That's a big problem. I'm not
2: saying that Judge Gurgle's doing anything wrong. I'm telling you that Dick Harpootlian would not do that to Judge Gurgle to make him hold a hearing, to walk into court and blindside him like that. They handled the video poker cases together in the 90s, and Dick Harpootlian was instrumental in getting Obama to appoint Judge Gurgle to the federal bench. It was Dick, Dick and Dick and Dick. So I'm just telling you, Dick would not do that to Judge Gergel.
1: So now, are you more clear on why Judge Gurgle might have shut you down when you were talking so much about Dick's client's best friend? Nah,
2: I don't know whether I can make that connection.
1: Dick yeah, hates Dick you, Eric.
2: Say, yeah, he does. Dick
1: hates you. At
2: this point, I'm not sure whether Judge Gurgle <laughs> even likes me, but um, yeah, that Dick won't do that to Judge Gurgle. He, he, he would tell him way before that hearing, we're, we're, we're going to reverse ourselves and cancel the hearing. He would not do it that day. Dick would not do that. Nah.
3: But anyway, I I mean, he could do it at any like my point of all of this is all of I saw like a dozen headlines just saying Alex Murdoch to plead guilty. And it is not a fact. It is everything could always change. They at least should say a court like. The schedule says that but anything could happen and just that's one thing that is
2: plead guilty to what mandy federal charges right is it all of them is it one of them
3: which charges exactly right Right. we have to fully anticipate shenanigans and we have to fully anticipate that this is a strategy they don't just wake up these guys just don't wake up one day and say i'm gonna come clean Which is what the headlines look like. Like for the first time, Alex Murdoch is coming clean on his crimes. It's like, No, that's not what this is. This is some scheme that we're gonna figure out.
2: We'll see whether Emily Limehouse does the Creighton show. Will she go through each one of those things for all those crimes charged or will she just brush over it? That'll be interesting.
1: All right. Well, cups down, guys. Cups down. Great, Great job, show. everybody.
3: Thank you. This Cup of Justice episode is created and hosted by me, Mandy Matney, with co host Liz Farrell, our executive editor, and Eric Bland, attorney at law, aka the Jackhammer of Justice,
2: from Lunashark Productions. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early,